Let's take out our Bibles. That's good. A couple of people excited. Wonderful. We're going to be continuing our series this morning that we've started just a couple of weeks ago. It's called We the Church. We the Church. And in the midst of this series, we understand that much of this isn't going to necessarily be new information or revelation in terms of what the church is about, what, we're, what we want to be about. However, our heart and aim in the midst of this series is that by the Holy Spirit, something would be sparked afresh in our hearts as to what it means to be the church, to be his called out ones, to be the body of Christ. And you know, as we come to church, it's not just kind of meant to be that we come and go through the motions and tick that box, but rather that we come into alignment with this picture of what God has in his heart for his people. And so last week, Andrew brought a great word on, on worship, how as the church, we're called to be a worshipping people. And it's not whether we will worship, but who or what we will worship. And that, in fact, it's our priority, our aim, our calling, what we were made to do, if you like, that we would be a people who would worship the Lord, and that God is not just looking for worship in and of itself, but for worshippers, those who would seek the Lord, those who would press in to know him, those who would uh, give him his rightful place in every area of our lives. And our worship, as we looked at last week, is not just for the warm fuzzies or the nice experience on a Sunday morning, but it does something to us. It transforms us. It produces something in us. It, it leads us, leads to something in terms of the outworking of our lives and our faith. It changes us to become more and more like the Lord Jesus. And it changes us in terms of how we view and think about and relate and respond to the Lord, but also there is a flow-on effect to those around us, that as we express our worship to the Lord, it's then... I guess, expressed or outworked, sorry, in love for one another. And so before I get really into another message on worship today, this, is, this outworking is what I want to spend some time focusing on this morning. So if you're looking for a title today, it's simply this. We the church, a communing people. And I want to spend some time just looking at what it means to be connected, committed to one another, and in community together. So let's, uh, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start there this morning. I'm going to pray and then we'll see what the Lord wants to do. Lord, as we open up your word today, God, would you give us ears to hear what you would say? Would you give us hearts that are soft and open like the good soil that you talk about, Lord, in the parable of the sower? Lord, let what is sown this morning yield a harvest uh, many times what was sown. In our hearts and lives, I pray, Lord God. We uh, look to you, Lord, and we welcome your Holy Spirit to breathe life into these words that I speak. Would you stir our hearts afresh today? Would you spark something afresh around this area of community and being a people committed to one another and connected to one another? And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. In Genesis 2.18, God says, It's not good for man to be alone. Now, I know the context of that is that the Lord was looking for a suitable helper for Eve, but as we look through Scripture and as we see God's heart, 
for his people, we can see that it is not good for us to be alone, but that rather God has made us for community and for family, not for isolation. And the call to follow Jesus is a call to come into the family of God, the community of believers. And this world that we live in, this culture that, that we exist in, is very much one that is hyper-individualistic. And we can see this manifest in many ways, whether it's kind of some of the mantras that you see around, you know, do whatever makes you feel good, do whatever makes you feel happy, to the song that's, you know, had various iterations of success, what about me? It isn't fair, I've had enough, now I want my share. Or even the phenomenon of panic buying, I mean... How much toilet paper does one actually need? (laughs) But all those things reveal certain individualistic tendencies or characteristics or a focus, if you like. And with this individualistic culture has also come a sense of disconnectedness. And in fact, many of the platforms that have been created or the technology that has been developed that promise connectedness have in fact, in many instances, done the exact opposite and have been a major contributing factor that have led many uh, sociologists to label us the most disconnected generation that there's ever been. Now, this culture that's around us, one of individualistic nature and disconnectedness, that culture around us does not necessarily have to determine the culture within us our own attitudes and responses, and also our culture within the church. In fact, an idea that we would do well to recapture is that of the church being a counterculture, if you like. John Tyson, a pastor in the US, puts it this way, a beautiful resistance to the world and its vision of life of rebellion against God. The first thing I want to encourage us in this morning is that communing together, being a communing people, is vital. Being connected and committed to each other and in communities is not just an optional extra. Maybe when we feel like it or when we like the people around us. But it's something that is so important, particularly so in light of this culture that we live in, in the midst of the disconnected culture and the hyper-individualistic society, there is a call to recapture this picture of what the church, the body of Christ, can and should be like. That we commune with God first and foremost, but then as a result, as an outflow or as an outworking, that we commune with one another in the context of Christ-centered community. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. It says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ears should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? 
the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. As we've read this morning, community, connection, being a communing people is vital because we need each other. We need each other. Just as the members of our own body don't exist in isolation or don't function as they're meant to on their own accord, operating independently without any sense of connectivity, so too the body of Christ does not exist in isolation. There is this connectivity that Paul talks about. And as such, there is a call for us as his church to be a people connected and in community where each part is valued and important. With Christ at the head, front and center, first and foremost, and us as his body, connected to him and connected to one another. Uh, this week I made the trip out to Ikea. Who enjoys heading out to Ikea? It's a place you can get lost and they can send out a search party. But I took the smart option and did a click and collect order. So I just kind of walked in the very last door and got my order. But uh, we had purchased some new shelving units for our, our little girl's room as we've been setting that up with a big girl's bed and everything. And so there I was... Uh, Helping, my kids were helping me. We were putting together these blocks, cube storage units. And I was thinking, you know, it's amazing business and just the, the vast magnitude of the business and how everything is there in flat packs. And, but as you open it up, the box, every part is there. Every part is there and important and, well, vital. <laughs> because every little bit of dial, the little bit of wood that you put in to attach the shelves, every little screw, every little Allen key toy that they, uh, tool, not toy, though the kids like to use it as toys, every little part that's in that box is there and vital and important for the functioning of the shelves so that it all works together and fits together as it should. A little screw on its own in isolation doesn't serve the purpose it was intended for. A little bit of dial, the same. And in the same way, that's a picture of what the body must be like. Every little piece isn't just there operating in isolation. What good is a bit of flat packed furniture if it's not put together and able to be used as shelving or as a wardrobe or as bedding or as pretty much any other thing you can think of that IKEA has on offer? If you don't believe me, have you ever had a flat pack 
bit of furniture when something's missing. That little screw that you're like, oh, I think it'll be all right. And then you kind of build something and then you realize that that's the very piece that holds everything else together. And in the same way as the body, communing together, being connected is vital because we need one another. Each part of the body is valued and important and there is a a purpose and a role for us to play working together to accomplish the purpose and the picture that God has in his heart for us as his people. So we're a body and we know this, we've all heard this, but I believe maybe in this season the Lord is wanting to reawaken our hearts as to what it means, particularly as we've come out of the last couple of years where isolation's been a thing. We know that gathering together is important. And despite at times maybe being hard to admit, we need one another. Something about doing life together is vital for us, but it's also vital for displaying Christ in a faithful and powerful way to the world, in much the same way as the early church did as well. So communing together is vital, but more than just doing life, as good as that is, communing together or being a communing people, second encouragement this morning, is transforming. Communing together is vital and communing together is transforming. Being a people connected, committed to one another, and in community together, it does something to us. It does something in us, if you like. It's wonderful, it's glorious, it's awkward, it's frustrating, it's joy-filled, it can be hard at times, it can bring things to the surface, can't it? Anytime you're in close-knit community. But you know, by the power of the Holy Spirit, as He works in us, as we are connected in community, committed to one another, that will transform us, that will change us, that will grow us, that will mature us to become more and more like Jesus. Jesus modeled it with his disciples, the 12, the inner sanctum, if you like. They did life together for three or so years, eating together, walking together, ministering together, closely connected with arguments about who was the greatest, with, you know, a desire to call down fire on people that wouldn't listen to the message, and Jesus is there in the midst of that community, just bringing people back to the main thing. In Acts 4, we read that, you know, they saw these men that they're ordinary, uneducated, but they recognized something about them, that they'd been with Jesus. As one example of how community is transforming, Jesus in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, he says this, a new command I give you, not just a new suggestion, not just, oh, here's a little tip for you, a new command I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And here's the clincher, by this, All men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
Now, as I've been reflecting on that this week, I've been thinking, now, how can we grow in this love that Jesus commands us to have without the outworking of it in community? Because in isolation, it can be easy, can't it? Being disconnected or disengaged or not planted in community, you know, no one will rub us up the wrong way. No one will give us a reason to get offended there. No one will perhaps challenge our views or opinions or ways of doing things. In Proverbs 27 verse 17 it says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Now iron doesn't get sharpened by rubbing it up against a cosy blanket. It doesn't get sharpened by putting it in the shed on its own. Iron gets sharpened by rubbing up sparking up against other iron. So it sharpens, so it does what it is meant to do. And in the same way, we don't grow in this love that Jesus desires his people to possess and walk in. This commitment to one another, that's the the call and the invitation, unless there is an opportunity to practice it, to walk it out, and to live it out, to commune with one another, where maybe we don't really have anything in common. Have you, have you ever noticed that, that the, one of the wonderful things I love about church or about the various communities within the church is that often you're connecting with people that maybe you don't have much kind of in common with from an earthly perspective. You know, like, I'm a dog person, but there's plenty of cat people here I know. There's a, you know, I'm a cricket person. There's many football lovers out there. I'm not a coffee person at all, but that's okay. Even when there's things that, you know, nothing in common from an earthly sense there is one thing that we do have in common and that's more important than any of those other things it's the Lord Jesus Christ it's the fact that he has so gloriously and wonderfully saved us and revealed himself to us and shown his faithfulness to us and has brought us out of darkness and into his light and is leading us on changing us from glory to glory from strength to strength. And I want to say this morning that even when there's maybe not much that we necessarily have in common from an earthly perspective, the one thing we do have in common and the most important, the trump card, if you like, is the Lord Jesus Christ, gathering around who he is, what he's done, how he has called us to live and to be as his people. This love referred to in John 13, as I've mentioned, the particular Greek word, agape, agape love. That's the kind of love it is. It's a, a self-giving love, a love that is not necessarily attracted to the object of love, but it is a choice or it's an act of the will. So it's an intentional choice when Jesus says, this new command that I give you, that you love one another. It's not just a feeling or an emotion, but it denotes a kindness that cannot be defeated, a goodwill that cannot be conquered, and it always seeks the highest good of the other person, no matter what he or she does. It's a self-giving love that gives freely without necessarily asking or expecting anything in return. Another way we could put it is this, it's, it's wanting God's best for the other person, irrespective of whether we feel they deserve it and irrespective of the cost. Now that sounds like a people committed 
to one another. By this kind of love will all the world know that we are his disciples. By this kind of love will we grow in community and in connection with one another. By this kind of love will we be transformed. And it's this kind of love, and and hear me this morning, it's not just all the warm fuzzies either. The pats on the back and the, that's great. Although that's wonderful, that's part of community. But there are times when that kind of love, seeking the highest good of others, being committed to uh, the best for one another, maybe involves times of correction or times of calling people higher because we're seeking their highest good. We want to spur one another on into love and good works, into all that the Lord has for us. And there's a particular aspect of this idea of of community and of communing together, how it's outworked in our lives that I want to unpack a little. And it was a particular term used in describing the early church and what they were marked by. Would you turn with me to Acts chapter 2? What marked the early church? Well, of course, their love for God, their passion for the Lord Jesus, they were wholehearted in their love for Him and the pursuit of Him and living for Him, proclaiming who He is and all He'd done. But it was also their love for and their commitment to one another. There was a particular uh, Greek word called koinonia for this kind of communing and community that is both vital and transforming. Let's read together from verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. And it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now this particular word, koinonia, is uh, what has been translated fellowship in verse 42. And really the English translation doesn't quite do justice, the depth and the meaning and the the beauty of what this kind of word means or what this picture of this kind of community and communing together means. Its first use of it was right here in Acts chapter 2 and it it describes this holy covenantal fellowship. It encompasses sharing together, a sense of generosity. In short, a community that involves deep, close-knit participation amongst its people. And this passage in many ways describes what this koinonia looks like. It says that they were devoted, not just half-hearted, there was a sense of devotion. Not just kind of dabbling in the word or teaching with one another, there was a sense of devotion. There was a sense of communing and being connected. There was food, that's always a good thing for community and connection. There was an environment of prayer 
There was a sense of awe and reverence for the Lord. And I really believe that should be something that marks us as the people of God, a sense of awe and reverence for Him. There was a sense of unity and togetherness, not just showing up in the one place, but a sense of pulling together in one direction under the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, next week, I think we'll be looking at unity, being a unified people. There was a sense of generosity. There was a sense of gladness and joy. There was an environment of praise. There was the favor of God at work in their midst, and there was increase. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good to me. That sounds like a, a picture of what the church could and should be like. What a picture of what communing together in Christ-centered community looks like. So let me ask us this morning, do these same things mark the modern church? Our church, our lives. And if not, why not? What's stopping or hindering us from stepping into that kind of community together as the church? It's great to see what happened in the past, what happened with God's people then in the early church. But what about for us, for God's people now, living in modern 21st century Canberra, Australia? What does it look like for us? Well, I want to hopefully leave us with, with something to encourage us in, maybe challenge us in, to take away. So we've had communing together is vital, communing together is transforming, communing together is intentional. It's an intentional thing. We see this picture of the early church. We hear about how Paul writes about it's a body. We're all connected together. Each part is valued and significant and all those things. We hear about koinonia and what that looks like in the outworking of God's people. And we think, sounds amazing. Sign me up. Where can I get some of this koinonia? Well, a few encouragements to leave us with this morning. This kind of community, communing together, It requires presence. It requires showing up. There's something significant that happens when we join together, when we gather together. To worship, of course, to open up God's word, to gather, to pray together, whatever it might be. And uh, it's amazing at times... You hear like this, this kind of thing said. You know, I just don't feel connected or I just don't know where I can connect. And you kind of say, oh, well, have you tried heading along to here or have you tried this? Or It's like, oh, no, no. Well, that might be a great starting point. If you're a woman in the life of the church, it's a wonderful women's ministry on a Tuesday night once a month, a Wednesday morning every fortnight. I've not been myself, but I've heard it's wonderful and it's a great opportunity to gather together, to encourage one another, to hear from God's word, to worship and to grow in that sense of connectedness so that then down the track you're like, oh, how are you you going with that thing that we're talking about, you're struggling with or you're facing a new job opportunity, whatever it is? How are you going with that? I've been praying for you. Or for the men in the church, I know there's various ways you can connect some smaller groups or gatherings that happen every now and then. Uh, there's just you know, opportunity there, again, to do life together. To, hey, I need prayer for this. Can I, can I receive prayer? And then have someone stand with you. 
There's a mother's group that happens on a Thursday. There's, there's various home groups. Uh, of course, here are gatherings on Sunday. There's all sorts of ways that we can be connected. But communing together is intentional and it requires presence, us to be, to be there. Let's be people present and see what happens, see what God does. This kind of communing together requires purpose. Now, hear me this morning, I'm, I'm not wanting to make it all about works, but as it says in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, let us consider, let us be purposeful in our consideration of how we can spur one another on to love and good works. The encouragement for us this morning is to be a people who are looking out and reaching out beyond ourselves and our own comfort. Who can we reach out to this week? Who can you perhaps grab coffee with or some other non-caffeinated beverage with to connect over, to, to uh, bounce some things off one another? I had the privilege of just connecting with a young guy in the church just this week um, and just to, you know, he was asking some questions, bringing some encouragement, getting to know, like that sort of thing. That's what it can look like in the life of the church. Maybe it's, you know, you're in a season where you'd, you'd like to go walking or exercising or whatever. Maybe there's someone that you can link up with. There'd be that mutual benefit that would flow. Someone that, you know, you found out works near you or in the same office block as you, for example, who you can meet with and maybe every couple of weeks you gather together and you, you pray together. Or you say, hey, what is there that I can be prayerful for you about? I know of people in the church who are gathering together you know, reasonably regularly just to read the Bible together, to open up God's Word, to kind of discuss what His Word says and how that applies and all those wonderful things. What a great way to connect and grow in community. Another way, where can you serve? Serving in the life of the church is one of the best ways to connect and grow in that sense of community. And of course, there's also that higher purpose of serving the Lord and others as well. And so, being a people who commune together, yes, requires purpose. And I hope you can hear my heart in this this morning. I'm not saying that we all now need to go and fill our calendars to overflowing just so that we can ensure that we're connected. Trust and invite the Holy Spirit to lead you and be open to his leading about the areas of koinonia that you can grow in. What it looks like for you in your life and with your particular circumstances right now. The point is, this kind of community doesn't just happen of its own accord. Third aspect of this communing together is that it requires perseverance. Can I get the worship team to come up? Is that okay? Requires perseverance. And let me say that this kind of community connection is not always easy. It's not always going to be comfortable. At times there may be a cost involved. Whether it's time, whether it's money, whether it's other resources, whether it's just, you know what, I couldn't be bothered today or I feel really tired, I'll just kind of... I I can't tell you how many times there have been where you just, perhaps I've not been feeling it and rocking up to a various thing in the life of the church or to serve in some capacity, just being honest this morning. And you go out of obedience, out of faithfulness, 
And, you know, the Lord just shows up. And it's like, you know what? If I'd stayed home tonight or I couldn't have been bothered, God wouldn't have, uh, well, he would have. He can do whatever he wants with whoever he wants. But in terms of just being part of the outworking of his plan and purpose, uh, it's a blessing when, you, when, when there are times when you're like, oh, it feels like a sacrifice. You know, maybe there'll be times where we get offended, where people might let us down or rub us up the wrong way. Let's not give up on communing together, even in those times, because we know that the Lord does not give up on us. Even when we let him down, or even when we rub him up the wrong way with our attitude or with our behavior. Let's not give up because we are called to be a communing people people of koinonia, connected and committed to one another, spurring each other on, calling each other higher, the body of Christ in operation, his called out ones, whose call is to fulfill the great commission and to see the name of Jesus exalted on the earth. Would you stand this morning? prayer team just make their way forward at this point as well there's just I feel a couple of things that the Lord uh, has put on my heart that he may want to just uh, minister in this morning We've been talking about community and being in a, in a family, I guess, in essence, God's family together. And you know, that starts with a relationship with Jesus, saying yes to Jesus, surrendering your life to Him, to His Lordship, receiving His free gift of salvation and forgiveness, starting a, a brand new start. Bible talks about anyone that is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So this morning, I don't know where each and every one of you may be at. I don't know for those joining us online today as well. I don't know where you're at with the Lord. But there's an invitation this morning. If you're in that place that you've never yielded your life to God, you never said yes to Jesus. There is an invitation to, to respond today. To come and, and step into that new life and to step into that family. Community of believers. So if there's anyone here this morning, would you just indicate at this point, you can just slip up your hands. It would be a privilege to pray with you or the prayer team. second thing that 
just want to leave some space for and the worship team will just lead us perhaps singing some stuff out or leading us in a song because you know this talk of community and connection and communing together you know there's a part of that that it's it's a beautiful thing it's a, a wonderful thing there's great joy and blessing involved in that but it also is an aspect of it that is slightly scary because there's a, a vulnerability involved in that. And I, I just maybe feel this morning that perhaps there are some people here for whom community or the church or just being in connection um, you know, has been hard. Perhaps there's been disappointment or hurt in the past that has caused you to kind of just keep those walls up and keep guarded and not really want to be engaged or connected in community. If you're in that place today, I believe that there's an invitation this morning to come before the Lord, that He He would desire to bring healing, He would desire to bring freedom, He would desire to perhaps lift off some of those things. And also this morning, just one other area, whether it's whether it's been from as a result of the last couple of years and the craziness of COVID times or whatever, maybe it's just kind of where you're at right now. That maybe just there's been a, uh, instead of that desire and that passion to be connected, be planted, there's kind of been a bit of an indifference or just like can't really be bothered. And I say that with no sense of embarrassment or condemnation today at all. But rather, the, uh, giving that call as an invitation to come before the Lord, do business with Him say, hey Lord, I'm sorry where my heart has not been right, where I've just kind of been indifferent, complacent, or even just kind of been more concerned with my own comfort and the calling of community. So that's the invitation, and uh, yeah, the worship team's just going to play and sing over us. The picture I had for this time, as we just leave a little bit of space here uh, to respond, you know, on, on Friday night we, we had a, a youth gathering here, the youth group met, and it was kind of like the weather was touch and go. We'd set up in the courtyard as we do, and then like 10 minutes before youth, it just started raining. So we kind of moved some stuff in. But the funny thing was that as the youth arrived, they're like, this is great. We're going to just play out in the rain. They were playing soccer. They were playing basketball. They were connecting. There was a sense of community happening while it was pretty much pouring with rain. So apologies to the parents. If they came home soaking wet, I gave them the option, freedom to choose. But I just want to leave some space here at the end for those who desire to respond and it can be like easy to be to be like oh well you know when the rain is falling and the Holy Spirit is wanting to be at work and move and rain down on us to be like oh I could just play out in the rain and receive and allow him to work or I could just kind of yeah hold back I'll just stay inside it's easier it's more comfortable That's what I've had in my heart, that there's a picture this morning, that as we leave some space, the prayer team here, uh, you know, ready and willing and fired up to pray. 
as we worship together, just in closing, as an invitation to, to not just kind of rush off, but to allow the reign of the Holy Spirit to pour down, to respond in that way, whether it's to, to commit your life to Christ, whether it's because of past hurts or disappointments, to come fresh this morning, whether it's just indifference or like that, oh, I can't really be bothered and you want to make that right this morning. That's the invitation. So we're just going to just leave a moment for whatever the Lord wants to do. I'll pray. The worship team will lead us. And uh, of course, you're welcome to, to hang around in this place. Of course, we have the cafe open as well. What a great way to uh, engage in community and connection. So Lord, we just thank you for this morning. The privilege, the honour, the blessing of being able to gather together. And Lord, we just want to leave a moment, leave some space for you here now. To come and do whatever it is you desire to do. Would you come and touch our hearts, Lord God. Stir them afresh with a fresh passion, Lord, for you, for what this picture of communing together, being a people connected and in community looks like, Lord. Would you just be speaking to us about the ways, even in this coming week, that we can grow in that, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that communing together is vital, that it transforms us, Lord. Would you do your work? transform and grow and mature us. Lord, help us to be intentional as well. So Lord, I bless each and every person here with your love, Lord God, your grace, Lord Jesus, the fellowship of the Spirit. May we not leave this place the same. If we're feeling unsure about responding or coming just to do business with you or whatever it is Lord just pray that we would <laughs> surrender and step out into that rain that rain of your spirit knowing that you'll be at work I pray all these things in Jesus name Amen